This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're talking quarterbacks, baby. We're giving you an update on what we think of the quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL Draft class. About midway through the college football season, a lot of changes from what we thought of these guys during summer scouting, so it's a good conversation. I'm Trevor Sycamore with you, and as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys for a midweek edition of the pod, which means we get back to our roots. We're going straight NFL draft talk. And today we got an exciting one for you. We can't let JTO Sullivan have all the fun talking about quarterbacks. We got to talk about quarterbacks too. Shout out JT and the QB school, one of the best YouTube shows that is out there. But we are talking QBs. It's been a while, Connor, since we've really had a recheck here since the season began on these 2024 guys because we were very excited about them going into the season still reason to be excited but there has been some up and down with some of these guys in our rankings and i'm excited to hear some updated thoughts from you my friend right back at you man i think that this is a really deep quarterback class there's been legitimate risers this year that i hadn't seen play until we decided to do this show And then, of course, the staples that we talk about in the first round when we do mock drafts, when we talk about the Heisman, things like that. So this is going to be a really fun couple of months with quarterbacks because there's going to be a lot of hype at the top. And that exists almost every single year. But I think when you talk about developmental day two quarterbacks, I think that actually holds real weight this year. It felt like there's been some years where we've been grasping at straws or really hoping a guy can be that. This year, I, I feel pretty good about at least a handful that I would classify as legitimate day two developmental guys that I'm excited to watch play. Yeah. It feels like in years past, it really has been either your top 15 or I don't really want to like, like it was basically like we, we don't really, I wouldn't get excited about investing a pick into this developmental quarterback here, but this year I agree with you is very different. There's a couple of quarterbacks who I had in my top 50 going into the season who I now have outside of my top 50 now after kind of going through these rechecks and we'll get into those guys, but it's because I kind of see them more of that way. Like, Hey, I'm comfortable spending some sort of day two capital on this player, letting him sit, letting him develop. Cause there's things to like, but they're just not quite a finished product yet. It feels like in years past, the reason why we didn't have these developmental guys is because there weren't even those players with the tools, right? It wasn't even like, oh yeah, he's got the tools. He just needs time. It's almost like we were just trying to force it because they simply played the quarterback position. But I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that with a lot of these different guys. 
you want to start with Caleb? Or wh- where do you want? Where do yeah, you want? I mean, to I think we have to. After right? the after the Notre Dame loss, when you know he went from being the number one overall pick to now, you know, UDFA. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna day, just say day three, but <laughs> nope, not draftable. Not a great outing for Caleb no. Williams, and in fact, I I, I went and looked this up because I wrote an article about it. The second lowest single game passing grade of his career, and the only time he has ever had four turnover worthy plays in a single game in that loss that we saw to Notre Dame. So give me your thoughts on Caleb, not just this past game that we saw from him, but just overall where you're at. We had him as the unquestioned number one overall pick, number one overall prospect. You still feel that way about him. What do you think? Yeah, for me, here's the thing. A lot of what we saw against Notre Dame, it were not actually just Notre Dame. With Caleb Williams, this is it, right, for me. I'll start with the big picture of what we talked about over summer. Mm Mm-hmm. He's an electric talent. He's got a very unique arm. He's an escape artist in and out of the pocket. He can make plays on the run that not a lot of guys on this planet will ever be able to make. And he also can operate quick game because of the arm slot, the arm angles, the snappy release. Like all of that is really, really exciting to me. And what I had written down over summer and he wasn't my number one overall player. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. was my number one overall prospect because I saw a more refined prospect, elite prospect. They're both elite prospects, but Mm -hmm. with Marvin, I said I could drop him into the NFL today, and I think he's the number one wide receiver. Yeah. And with Caleb, the big thing that I had circled was, and I'm going to pull up my summer notes here before I get into the specific notes from watching the Notre Dame game on the All-22, for all the great things, and there are so many great things, he is a bit of a drifter at times and sideways when that first read isn't open. He he gravitates to being an athlete mm-hmm. out athleting people. He goes through his progressions, but he's still working on processing from the pocket to throw with anticipation. Like he's making the reads, but he's not always throwing with anticipation from the pocket. And he's still growing as a pocket passer where he'll miss some layups that I easily see him hit when he's on the move or when things are a little erratic, where in the pocket and static, his base can be, you know, he doesn't always play with his base because he typically doesn't have to. And the last thing, this is all from Summer, the last thing I had written down too from his negatives, because there was a laundry list of positives. Misses can be from his base not transferring with his eyes. He knows he has a special arm, and he occasionally tries to cheat throws. And all of this is in structure, right, Trevor? Like, it'd be a drop back, pocket passing quarterback i know what you can do out of structure it's special but i think what we saw against notre dame as i pull up these notes is that he's playing out of structure even when in structure and what i mean by that is it can be a drop a drop back and he has his reads and the pocket is clean enough and he starts getting jittery Mm -hmm. it feels a little crazy I start moving, I put my eyes down, or I cut the field in half, or that he doesn't always have to do that, but he's been able to always do that. He was able to do it at Oklahoma. He's been able to do it as, you know, obviously a stellar career at USC. Right. They're usually the better opponent, more powerful opponent on the field. And what I wrote was this was extremely chaotic under pressure, and he wasn't seeing the middle of the field in this game. When the pressure, when the pocket got tight, he'd either drop his eyes or he wasn't seeing the middle of the field. And that's when those turnover worthy plays came into effect where 
I don't want to say he was guessing, but it felt like he was thinking he could make throws that weren't there because the defense was sitting on it in the middle of the field. And he's here's another one too, getting away from the middle of the field. He was waiting for his wide receivers outside the numbers to be open before throwing the ball. That's a really dangerous game. Like he dropped back sure. outside the numbers. He want to see them open and throw it when that's really a drop and you're going to throw it and they're going to come back to the ball. When they break their route, the ball is out. And, and once again, this sounds like I'm just killing Caleb Williams, the best quarterback in no, this draft. No, it matters. It matters. Right. It, it, it absolutely matters. Yeah. My number two overall prospect in this draft from summer. I haven't done an updated big board. I know you have. I'll probably do that in November for NBC. Um, I will give him this in this game. Not a good day from his wide receivers. Three drops. I did not see a lot of separation in the intermediate part mm -hmm. of the field and the deep part of the field. Good. Hats off to Marcus Freeman's Notre Dame defense. Like that. They played a really good game. They frustrated him. They made it. They forced him into bad decisions. But what they did is what NFL teams are going to do to Caleb Williams. Sure. And I will say this. Will his coaching at the NFL level be better than what he's getting now? I don't know. Maybe if Ben Johnson goes somewhere and they get Caleb Williams, but there's also right. going to. So that was just my notes from this game. He's still a tremendous prospect. He has all the talent in the world. But my question coming out of summer was, can you play a little bit more calm and in rhythm and structure in this game did not give me any answers to the biggest question I had coming out of the summer. Yeah, man, I, I think I don't think you're killing Caleb Williams at all. I think it's something that you really want to think about, especially since there have been really good talented draft prospects that have come through over the last couple of years who maybe have had similar sort of issues that they weren't able to get a figure out in the NFL level. Like I think everybody watches what Caleb Williams has done over the last couple of years and they just go, well, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Right. But, you know, there's also the Zach Wilsons, right? Okay, you play in an offense that was wide open where you didn't really have to play out of structure. You didn't really have to anticipate super well. You were a magician when, you know, pressure was coming and you could escape and extend the play and Zach can't see the field right now. Well, I know right. he's better this year, but certainly not the number two overall pick or what he was at BYU. So there's kind of, it can't just be Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a rarity for a reason. It's because a lot of other guys who maybe would have been of similar style couldn't figure it out at the NFL level. And I think that that's why you've got to bring up a little bit of devil's advocate with him. So I, I looked up some numbers from Caleb uh, this week, including the Notre Dame game, but more just as a whole this season, because it's not just the Notre Dame game. Last year, Caleb Williams had the highest passing grade under pressure of any quarterback in the FBS. It was nearly in the 80s. It was 79.5, which is incredible to have a passing grade that high um, when you are pressured. I don't think he had a single turnover-worthy play last year when he was pressured. I think it was seven big-time throws and zero turnover-worthy plays. This year, he has the fifth lowest passing grade of any quarterback in the FBS when he is pressured. It has gone from a 79.5 to a 28.3. Just crazy drastic. And it, and it goes to show those insane plays that we watched last year that all seemed to go well for him. Question everybody had on their mind while they were watching it in awe was, is this even sustainable? And throughout an entire year last year, he showed that it was. But here we are in the next season, and he's showing that it's not. 
The issue with Caleb Williams for me right now, and it kind of goes a little, it piggybacks from some of the concerns that you already talked about, is the time to throw. It's how he manages how long he feels like he can have the ball in his hand. Because last year, he felt pretty damn invincible, right? He held on to that ball for too long, but he was just, he, like, like you said, he was just an escape artist. He was a magician. He could get away from it every time and give us those jaw-dropping plays. This year, it's not as much, but he's still holding on to the ball really long, and it's turning into a ton of turn. Right, right now, this year, he's got more turnover-worthy plays than he has big-time throws even this year. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild for a player of his caliber. His time to throw this year is an average of 3.21 seconds. Last year, it was 3.44. That 3.21 number is by far the highest of any of the draft-eligible quarterbacks that I have ranked on the top 200 right now. In fact, the only quarterback who's above three seconds is J.J. McCarthy, and he's barely over three. It's like 3.02. To give you guys some context, 3.21 is his time to throw how long he turn, holds onto the ball. 2022 Kenny Pickett was 3.10. Um, actually that would be 20. Yeah. Yeah. 2023, Anthony Richardson was 3.10. 2022, Bryce Young was 2.96. 2019, Joe Burrow, 2.92. 2022, CJ Stroud last year, 2.91. Trevor Lawrence, when he was coming out, 2.91. Zach Wilson, the one that people kind of point to like, wow, he held onto the ball way too long in a wacky non-NFL offense. Zach Wilson, 2.78. So Zach Wilson's time to throw. And I, and in order to search for this, I took out no plays. I filtered out no plays. And I also filtered out throws that were before five yards. So any type of like screen, quick play that was just meant to get the ball out of your hands really quickly where you're not holding on to the ball to read the field, I took those out. So the range of throws, this is all time to throw on range of throws from five yards to 60 yards deep down the field. So we're talking about when you take away those schemed throws, this guy's holding onto the ball at an insane level. Yeah. This year, there's not this year, there's only three quarterbacks in the NFL, starting quarterbacks, who have a time to throw of over three seconds. It's Josh Allen, it's Jalen Hurts, and it's Russell Wilson. Last year, the only starting quarterback in the NFL who had a time to throw above three was Justin Fields. And we know how much he struggled. And what happened there? Right. Caleb Williams cannot do this and succeed at the NFL level. He is supremely talented. He makes plays that you, like you said, I completely agree with you. No other quarterback can make. And for that, he is a very, very high ceiling prospect. But this part of his process has to change. And if people are going to say, if, if people came to me and said, I don't believe it can change, then I understand why you might have Drake May as QB1 in this class. I understand why you might not be taking Caleb Williams number one overall. Because if you don't believe that his process can get faster, that he can operate under structure a little bit better, and that time to throw can be in the twos, buddy, that is tough to find NFL success. Because those defensive linemen, they're too big, they're too strong, they're too fast. You won't be able to get away with them or get away from them the way that you did that Heisman year in 2022. So unfortunately for Caleb Williams and the outlook with him as a prospect, he does have some work to do. It's got to be a quicker process, and I don't know how much quicker it gets at USC. It might be something where he's just going to have to go through a lot of growing pains probably in his first 
and part of his second year in the NFL. What but I think is so the, that's kind yeah. of the way I see him as well. Totally. I think we're eye to eye. And I just want to make clear, this is not, it is, those are my notes from the Notre Dame game. But I said all these things on the summer show going into this year saying, man, he he's a great prospect, a great quarterback prospect. But there are things he still has to answer this year if he wants to be one of the all-time prospects. Right. And I, it's gone backwards. It has best. gone backwards. It, you, it's you're, gone you're allowed backwards. to say that. This year is objectively yeah. worse for him than it was like, last year. He's probably still the favorite to go number one overall. I get that. He is still my top quarterback right now. He's not jumped Marvin Harrison as my top player. If anything, I'd have him also behind Olu Fashanu today. I think I would. I I think, and then there's a quarterback curve in the draft. You got to take a quarterback at the t- if you're that bad at the top. I get all of it. Mm-hmm. I think Caleb, like most quarterback prospects, is not situation proof. He's not. I thought Trevor Lawrence was one of the closest I've ever seen to situation proof. And the Jaguars said, let's test that, buddy. Here's Urban Meyer. <laughs> Here's Urban Meyer. So it's, man, it's in, it's really interesting. And I think, um, you know, I'll tee it up this way. It's also interesting, Trevor, because guys like Drake May and Michael Penix and some other quarterbacks in this class are supremely, supremely talented. And with that, mm-hmm. I will toss it to you of who you want to talk about next. Uh, we can talk about May. You know, he's the guy right. who I think is next, and we won't go totally in order of the big board, but I think you kind of got to talk about these guys one and two because they're in the yeah. conversation to be QB1. And I think there's some people out there who very much believe that Drake May should be QB1 in this draft, and Drake May gives you a lot of reason to think that. I went and I went for this show. I went back and I watched the last two games that he played, and, man, it's just – He's so very clearly got an NFL arm. Uh, he, you know, he can fire the ball from so many different types of, uh, of platforms. You know, different body angles. Something I love is that he anticipates really well. You mentioned with Caleb, there were times in that Notre Dame game where he was not trusting his receivers enough, and he was waiting until they got open for him to throw the ball. Drake May just week in and week out, it's anticipation stuff. You know, balls out right. of his hands before the before the wide receiver even turns for the back shoulder throw. You know, or, yep. or or the comeback or whatever it is. There was one throw that I loved that was a seam throw up the middle. God, who was the, I think this was against Miami, where Drake's he it's 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 a zone it's a zone drop, and believe it was cover three. So it was kind of like the seam in between the outside, past the linebacker, past the, the apex defender, the slot defender, in between where the deep third player was at the sideline and the deep third player that was in the middle of the field. And Drake throws the ball when this wide receiver is fully covered in his own from somebody, but he throws it in stride exactly when it needs to be to, to for when the receiver is running at the point where he is open in between the zones. That is exactly when the ball is getting there. That is supreme confidence in how you are seeing the field, how you diagnose coverages. Now, there are times that you know, I wish Drake wouldn't take so many chances because he doesn't he simply doesn't have to you know i'd like for the turnover where he plays to be a little bit further down but this guy has the highest volume of big time throws in this class for a reason it's because he's got the arm talent he's got a great mind for it so he he's also a really nice athlete he's not quite the athlete uh, that caleb williams is he 
his best plays out of structure still don't match what Caleb Williams did last year out of structure. But yeah, I agree, man. I, this is, it's close. This is a lot closer than I think everybody, you know, we've joked around on this podcast, you know, the Caleb Williams bowl between teams and, and, and maybe it's not quite that maybe it really is much more of a discussion. And certainly from the way that Williams has taken a little bit of a step back this year in his efficiency and how Drake may continues to be firing on, on all cylinders, if you will. I think that uh, it's really becoming a pretty close conversation between these two for QB1. It is, and there there will naturally be scouts that just like, they just prefer Drake May because of the first thing you kicked off with is that he's a guy that throws with anticipation consistently. Even if he's wrong, sometimes like there's interceptions on his tape where you're like, man, he was wrong there. But I think if he continues to play as much as he has, he'll clean those up and really start to master beating coverages, dropping throws in between zone, like you said. I think he has a great grasp on timing of short area concepts. The deep ball is really pretty. It's a really, really pretty deep ball. I think he gets a little overzealous with his intermediate throws because he has a lot of velocity in that arm. Yeah, And he he thinks there are windows that he can hit that I don't know, you know, if, Mahomes, Rogers, like those guys can hit those windows. He just, he's very confident. And I wrote down too, like the pass pro from UNC against Miami was, was pretty bad, but there's also times where he needs to understand where the blitzers are. Like there's times where it's like, yeah, you got five blockers, but you might have a sixth or seventh guy coming. Like that one's on you. You're the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You got to identify that guy and you either throw it hot or you you slide the protection, or you're going to escape a certain way. And he's not seeing that in the same way that, you know, that that a top quarterback prospect necessarily might, although a lot of young guys don't anymore because college offenses. And I think Caleb Caleb is good against that because he's just such a freak. Yeah. Where, like, Caleb might not even see the blitzer, and he still avoids the blitzer. He does have, man, that... And that's that's why Caleb's pressure, there's his play under pressure this year is so jarring because, okay, taking a step back from basically an 80 passing grade last year under pressure, I could have seen that coming. Dropping all the way to a 28.3 passing grade under pressure, like that is the, the, the plethora of turnover worthy plays. Every single one of Caleb Williams' turnover worthy plays last week against Notre Dame came under pressure. Every single one of them, all four of them. And that's the story of, I think the Arizona game was the same. It's right. I'm just, I'm so shocked at how contrast those things are. And hopefully plays better under pressure because I don't want, I don't want going into the draft season, watching a night and day prospect from 2022 to 2023 is going to be tough to evaluate. He's going to make our jobs tougher if that's the case. And, you know, honestly, selfishly, I just hope that we get the best version of Caleb Williams moving forward. I hope that he's kind of like learning his lessons. And I wrote this in my article that I, that I had over PFF.com. It feels like he's learning the lessons of what he can and can't get away with for the first time, right? Didn't really have the same thing. You know, like didn't really happen at Oklahoma. He was a true freshman taking over for Spencer Rattler. I mean, he was playing with house money. He wasn't supposed to start. Last year, everything went well for him. So he didn't really learn that lesson last year. Now he's learning the lesson. We'll see how he is able to, uh, to bounce back before we get into our next quarterback, you know, this time of year, the fall time of year, it's all about getting back to your routines, getting back to your checklist. Well, the most important thing on that checklist, 
should always be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family's budget with quality policies like million-dollar coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply whenever it's convenient for you. It is all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family today in just minutes by going to meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That is meetfabric.com, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash stock exchange. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Where are we going next, Connor? What quarterback you want to talk about next? I think the guy that had the biggest weekend, right? Michael Penix. Definitely the biggest win of his career. Your boy? My boy. Um, I felt like a proud draft scout watching this game. I like he was was, he was he man some big time throws in that game. And how fun was that, man? It felt like it really did feel like both him and Nick's were on. I know Bonus they played really up, well. Like, I know they didn't light the scoreboard to the tune of like 52 to 55 final score, but like these dudes were on this weekend. That was such a fun game to watch. It really was. And as I always say, I'm I'm not a fan of a team in college football. Uh, and I felt like in this game, just a fan in this game, because I kept thinking as much as, you know, Bo Nix had a really good game and there was a lot to like about Oregon. It felt like as a fan of the sport, you knew if Penix got the ball back, it was going to be dynamite. It actually happened so fast. I didn't even, I was like, oh man, we're going to see like, we're going to see a big boy drive here. And instead Mm -hmm. it was like a blink and it was over. That's how quickly they move. But before we even get into him as a player, did you see the tweet from Jalen McMillan? And it's a clip of Penix freestyling on the sideline during the game. No. <laughs> so if you ever wondering how calm and collected B rabbit eight mile and, on him and confident Michael Penix is Jalen McMillan tweeted out and there's the clip of it. Penix is literally on the bench. They're losing 33 to 29 and he is on the bench freestyling to a teammate. And then basically comes off the bench and and wins the game like it's nothing. But him as a player, it felt like this was the game that uh, this is probably unfair to Penix because he's been playing like this for two years now for Washington. Mm -hmm. But it felt like he could not have a bad game here because all eyes were on him. It was a big opponent. It was a good defense. All the arguments against Penix that aren't health related are that He's in a great offense under Ryan Grubb. Mm-hmm. He throws to great receivers. His offensive line has kept him upright. Mm-hmm. Those are all fair. Those are all fair. That offense also isn't the same without Michael Penix throwing the ball. I would agree. I would agree. You look at this game, five big-time throws, five. Two were on the final drive. He got really comfortable after a shaky start when they were get, he was getting pressured like crazy. And you start to see the confidence that he throws with. And I think this is actually a really good exercise because Caleb Caleb Williams and Drake May are higher quarterback prospects for us, right? Based on projection. Yeah. 
But if you want to see what an experienced quarterback looks like, Michael Penix had multiple years starting at Indiana, now multiple years starting for Washington. Penix is more advanced in a lot of ways than them from what he does from the pocket. The what he's seeing pre-snap, throwing guys open, throwing down the field with confidence, understanding when a safety can get there and when a safety can't. Part of the reason he is protected so well is because of he avoids sacks himself pre-snap. He knows when they don't have the protection there and the ball needs to be out, and he knows when he can hang in a little longer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a very different thrower of the football. I, I mean, you this thing explodes out of his hand. It is like watching somebody throw a Nerf Howler. Right. It's it's like that. The <laughs> RPMs on this thing are. It's a great, it's a great analogy. Out of control. Um, I know he doesn't have the escape artist ability that that Caleb or Drake may have. They have a higher ceiling. I'm not denying that. But I think we are comfortably here that Michael Penix is a first round quarterback, and I. I am still a little puzzled that most people are not to each their own. That's their opinion. No problem with that. But this guy has answered every challenge in front of him since transferring to Washington and looks like a superstar and is doing so many pro things before and after the snap and just had the biggest win of his college career. It's just the trajectory just keeps going upward that if you don't like him now, I don't know what he can do for you at this point. Yeah, um, I feel like quarterbacks have been hyped up more for less than what Penix that, has, has put you. out there. You know, thank you. Like, I'm not saying he's perfect, right? I, and I, I don't think we are. I, the The criticism that I have of him, and I, I went back and I watched the Arizona game, and then I watched the Oregon game. I obviously he's got a Howard serve an arm. He does have some ball placement issues when. He's not like throwing the fastball. Like when it's uh, when he does need to put a little bit more touch on it, sometimes his accuracy can be a little bit erratic. But I think that's kind of something that a lot of quarterback prospects deal with. And if you right. don't deal with that at all, then okay, you're probably getting drafted in the top ten because touch is a is 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 such a natural trait that's really tough to teach. When this guy gets the ability to throw a fastball, and honestly. I think that he'd be perfect for a vertical offense in the NFL level. Like I think about where Bruce Arians ran so much. I was just so gonna say it. And if 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 Bruce Arians was running an offense with Michael Penix, I mean, I think that it would be it would be beautiful. It would there would be so much production there. Yeah. Like I said, I, I do think the the ball placement issues they do come up when he has to take miles per hour off of the football when he has to put right. more air in it less than i agree than more fire um i feel like he's a i feel like he's a a, a a gunslinger in a duel in an old western film because michael Penix has these moments where he hikes the football he's looking to his left he's reading the field and then real quick he looks back to his right and it's like as if the pressure is coming to him very quickly he's kind of I don't know if he does this on purpose because the game is fast and I don't really, I, I don't really think he's doing it on purpose, but it's almost like he waits the last moment and then he just takes the gun out of the holster. Boom. Like yeah. he just, and it, the, the arm comes up, the ball comes out and he fires that bad boy in. And when he can throw that fastball, he can hit you with 99 miles an hour in the corner of the strike zone. And you got no chance to hit it. And I, and it's just going straight to wide receivers hands. Defenders might be close to him. I mean, they are man I, for as much as, 
I love Romo Dunze. I love Jalen Polk. Like those guys, by nature of them being bigger receivers, they a lot of the targets that go to them, less so Dunze than Polk, but it's going to be contested catch stuff. Like it's tight window stuff. And Penix still has so many throws where he's putting heat on it and it's going straight to their hands. So he's got a lot of really great highs. The touch thing is something to just, I, I think, monitor. But um, I think it's fair. But, I mean, it's, but, but, yeah. but man, I mean, even the 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 teardrop thirty yard throw to Polk in the right corner of the uh, of the end zone, I think it was in the first half of that game. It was, like, yeah. Oh, it's like you don't get it doesn't get any better than that. It's a dream. It doesn't get throw. any better than that throw. So it's not like every time he's got to dial the power back. It's a terrible throw. It just does show up, and I feel like that's the consistency. Is is when he t- when he takes those RPMs down. Sometimes the accuracy is a little less. Where man, when you just let him be a fastball pitcher, whew, he could be he could be great in a vertical offense. So yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see where he goes and and how they tailor things around such a a special attacking skill set. Do you watch McCarthy? Do you watch McCarthy for this? I, yeah, I did a I did a tape breakdown for NBC on McCarthy um, quite a few games into the season, so I'm pretty caught up on McCarthy. Because I think McCarthy's kind of the same way. I think Penix. Oh, McCarthy is, is all velocity. Right. I think Penix is is better, but McCarthy is the same way. Where when he when you let him throw fastball, he's got some super impressive throws. But when you ask him to dial it back and throw with more touch, then you get messed up timing not as in rhythm you can kind of tell he's thinking like he's thinking too much he's not just reacting and letting it go he's kind of thinking a little too much and the accuracy can be a little spotty with it so Penix is i think Penix's deficiencies when he's throwing a different pitch is less than mccarthy's but i think they're kind of that same mold of player right now where these are fat these are gas throwers and if you let them throw fastball they'll give you their best but mccarthy i did see kind of that similar light right first round arms on both of them and Penix has taken a first round arm and developed into playing the position a lot of the things he does that are Mm -hmm. translate to the pros and that's why i think a lot of people have the same hope for mccarthy who hasn't played as much football right um like you watch the bowling green game for mccarthy and it's like his brain just shut off he throws three picks in the the Bowling Green game. He hasn't thrown a pick in any other game. And that was a game that kind of highlighted a lot of his flaws of still a guy that needs to play more. But, you know, fortunately for a Michigan team, like they're going to run over a, a Bowling Green and the Rutgers of the world. Some so They've had some slow starts and it's just a great football team. McCarthy, McCarthy is interesting too, where like Penix, the talking point, and I don't agree. I think you could evaluate things in a vacuum is he has best receivers. And they're awesome. I mean, uh, Roma Dunze has been so impressive to me this year. He is so much better than what he is last year. Yeah. With McCarthy, I think the talking point is he's got a great offensive line and running backs, right? Like a run game and a line that really, really can protect him and not have not task him with being a hero yet. So you can only evaluate the things that you know are are examples of like he McCarthy has some throws the first half of the season where he's dropping back opposite hash. And throwing outside the numbers. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the ball sizzling on the way. It's just like the arms are up and the ball just sticks to the receiver's hands. And um, Roman Wilson catches everything, which makes that 
you know, a really good match, he can handle all those fastballs. It's like fajitas at Applebee's, baby. It's coming out sizzling. It comes coming out, out sizzling, sizzling hot. You get they tell you don't touch the dish when they, they put do, it down in front of you. They do they do tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Only professionals can touch the dish. Only professionals can touch a JJ McCarthy. <laughs> oh man. I used to love that move when I was a waiter. It's like <laughs> you, you come out and this the plate sizzling and you, you put it down in front of them and you're like don't touch that. It's, it's hot. It's right out of the kitchen. And then you like smile and walk away and feel like, Ooh, it's like the, let's like the line. That's what you're, that's yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're paying like you a tip basically. Did you hear that it's, line? So it's how they know. Yeah. I thought that McCarthy, uh, his scouting report's kind of similar from the beginning of the year, his, his season. And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say this, but like his season begins November 11th. It's, but you're it, right. They play I feel Penn like State. I've learned nothing right. since week three about and him. And I, I will say this. He looks better. I'm not taking anything away, but like yes. I, I'm just going to sit here and say, hey, he looks better against against teams that they're kicking the shit out of by 40 every single week. So He's uh, not doing dumb things besides the Bowling Green his, game. Right. I am giving him yeah. his credit, but November 11th, they play Penn State. The week after, they play Maryland. The week after that, they play Ohio State. Uh, they'll play the Big Ten Championship, and then we assume that this team's going to be in the college football playoffs. So that's J.J. McCarthy scouting evaluation season right there. Um, where, where next? Where do you want to go next? Who's next? I'm I'm debating if we want to do a, a really positive one or you know more of a, a downer one. It's uh, let's I'll do leave it to you. let's do the positive one. Okay. Um, and then I'll read an ad, and then people got to stick around after the ad to, to hear. hear who might be on the downs. So I caught up on Jaden Daniels this week, finally. And when Jaden Daniels got to Arizona State, that was a time in my life that, like, I'm trying to think what year it was. I want to go all the way back and make 20... sure I have this right. It was a while ago. Was He's it 2019 or 20? 2019 it must have been 2019 yeah freshman starter started 12 games had a really nice freshman year that was definitely still a time in my life where i feel like i would like go out at some point on saturday and come home and pack 12 after dark was of course. on not yeah and i'm like and, I, and it's the best thing in the world you come home you got a nice little buzz and you're like great football's still on yeah and this kid was drunk food you ordered yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah it's absolute gar- just bulldozing garbage into your mouth <laughs> i'm growing up now um yeah we never do that now i never do that ever again never do that now (laughs) as i get ready to make burgers after this i mean and he was so impressive that year because you know the freshman hype and he's an electric player and all these things and and you know a lot of he's had a windy road um and now he's in his fifth season he's been at lsu for two years and he, there's a lot of refinement, honestly, Trevor, for him yeah. in his game, like a quarterbacking, not athleting and with a big arm. And the things that jumped out to me from watching him this year is he looks really comfortable attacking down the field from the pocket, like really comfortable, really seeing it well. Um, I had his, I'll pull back up his his passing numbers again in a little bit here because the the passing depth numbers are just so impressive and. A couple more notes on him. I mean, he he's getting better, but there's still a big drop off when pressured. He has four turnover worthy plays on 34 at passing attempts when pressured. So a little chaotic there, but he'll throw his guys open when he sees the coverage has their back turned. And that yep. to me is experience. Like this is a guy that started a lot of college football games. He's played in two conferences. He it, there's certain things where I'm like, okay, this is somebody that's seeing it. So I loved seeing that. The deep ball can have a little too much air sometimes, 
but it's it's a lethal part of his game. I mean, you're 21 for 33, almost 800 yards, 24.2 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns, no picks. The back pylon throws where he has to throw a touch and drop it in the bucket are gorgeous. I mean, he has mastered dropping in those bucket throws to the back pylon. And this guy is a very elusive runner. I mean, he makes guys miss in a phone booth all the time. Mm-hmm. All the t- You're like, how the hell did he get out of that and mm-hmm. pick up eight yards, 12 yards, 14 yards? I, there is something, a theme of the show you will hear is runner, scrambler, pocket passer. Jaden Daniels can be a runner, and that is really exciting to me. But the deep passing from the pocket is the biggest area of growth I've seen from him. Daniels is somebody who has steadily climbed up the big board for me. I mean, I I don't know if I'm going to have him as a first round prospect eventually, but he is one of those guys that like we talked about at the top of the show, this is a developmental player. Like this is somebody that I would take on day two and say, man, he'd be a runner for you. He'd be a dual threat. He'd be a scrambler. He can operate RPO stuff and be a, a legit threat. He's now improving his play down the field. I mean, last year, you could tell his goal was, I'm taking care of the football. I'm not tur- – he would have one of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates in the country. This year, you could tell he is challenging himself. Okay, a little more big-time throws. The turnover-worthy play rate isn't as low as it was last year, but it's still relatively low compared to how big of a jump he has taken with those big-time throws. So he's got two guys in Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors who are good future NFL receivers that he's thrown to – but he's he's getting the football around to those guys in really great situations. So Daniels, I am glad that you brought him up because I would have as well. He is somebody who has really improved every single year. And to see steady growth from a player tells you, hey, maybe that ceiling is not maybe we haven't reached that ceiling yet. If you get better every single year, because I think a lot of people probably thought about Jaden Daniels and what he was at Arizona state and what he was going to be at LSU. And the ceiling was probably pretty low for him. And each year that ceiling has been like, all right, well, he's taking care of the football a lot better. So that's good. All right. Well, he's making better decisions down the field. All right. Well, now the big time throws are up. He needs to stop taking unnecessary hits. Cause it seems like this guy's getting hit every single week. Yeah. I like kind of, I got like nervous a couple of times. I know, dude. I was other like, that, whoa. Other than that, though, uh, Daniels is great. I, he is somebody who I think I moved up into my top 50 uh, in my Love recent, that. And in, in my, in my recent update. Yep. So he's he's somewhere in those high 40s. And that's a player that, to me, you take a chance on sometime in day two. Uh, I mentioned the ad. This this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. We gave you two prize pick selections entries uh in the monday show but just in case you guys missed it i got lamar versus detroit more than 45 and a half rushing yards and i also have put my mortgage please don't do that anybody out there on cooper cup more than 97 and a half receiving yards against the steelers uh aging and not performing well cornerbacks this year so uh that's what i got connor what are your two prize picks this week I'm looking at the Bills. I like James Cook to have less than 53 and a half rushing yards against the Patriots. I think they are going to, you know, beef up some touches to other players. And I think New England will, you know, be able to contain him. That's a pretty high number for a guy that's somewhat in a committee in a pass happy offense. But good news, Bills fans. I like Stephon Diggs to have more than 86 and a half receiving yards. I've actually seen 
this number go up on prize picks throughout the week, which tells you a lot of people are agreeing, which is also scary. But at the end of the day, I think Diggs has over 100 in his last, what, four games? He's done a five of six this year. He is Mr. Consistent, big-time player. This is probably a number that should be set with triple digits. It's not. Let's jump on more for Diggs. Big day against New England, who's basically been running out of cornerbacks this year. So if you're new to prize picks, prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy game. And the way that it works is you pick anywhere from two to six players. And you got to say that they will go either more or less than their prize pick projections. And you can win up to 25 times your money, depending on how many legs you got in it. So those are our two that we like. The official PFF prize picks lineup for this coming Sunday. Patrick Mahomes, more than 295 and a half passing yards against the Chargers. DK Metcalf, more than 67 and a half receiving yards against the Cardinals. And then Jared Goff, more than 400 400 243 and a half passing yards against baltimore so those are our lineups that we like it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience you watch your progress update in real time and like i said we can win up to 25 times your entry amount with cash winnings quick scoring settling withdrawals all that good stuff you aren't just competing against other people it is you versus the projection projections can be made or entries can be made in less than 60 seconds. It's super easy. Go to pricepicks.com backslash NFLSE. Use the promo code NFLSE for a first deposit match up to $100. It's a free $100 to bet, guys. Just head on over. Pricepicks.com, NFLSE. Use promo code NFLSE for that first deposit match up to $100. All right, we teased it. Quarterback. We're not proud of it. Maybe going the wrong direction. Who is it? We talked Cam Ward. Mm. And this is an interesting one. So we love getting involved in the comments in the community. And I get it. A lot of people, a lot of people that listen to the show are are or were really excited about Cam Ward. And admittedly, he's not somebody I had been um studying much of besides watching broadcast the college football, but actually tape studying in this quarterback class. It's a very crowded group. You catch up eventually, and I did. Cam Ward's interesting, Trevor. I think that he's an exciting, effective player in his college offense, that there are a lot of things that worry me in terms of translation. And what I mean by that is a lot of production from throwing behind the line of scrimmage and in the short area, but the intermediate game does look sharp when utilized, but there's no deep passing game. I mean, he's 10 for 24 on 20 plus yard passes, the deep passing game. Mm-hmm. And when he throws the deep ball, it's, it's really just all touch throws. Like he's not going to drive the ball down the field, in my opinion, consistently, especially right. at the next level. I, right. I saw him as a changeup thrower, not a power pitcher. And you could be that in college. You could. Yeah. It's almost like I do the Mets pod weekly. Um, (laughs) Who's throwing a splitter. It's just the football is just going the other direction. Dying down to the ground. (laughs) I I mean. Somebody's throwing a football like Mariano Rivera, where it's like in, just in between the two. (laughs) Why did that move? Yeah. (laughs) A knuckleball. Not a good idea in football. I just wonder, can he consistently drive the ball outside the numbers? Mm -hmm. And in this offense, I don't really think he has to be this power pitcher. I don't think he needs to be this guy that is throwing with crazy velocity. Like you watch Penix, right? Penix is the perfect example of somebody that Grubb draws up the offense and he's like, the defense has to account for every layer of the field. Opposite hash, the deep middle, like there is nothing out of the arsenal. And he will throw it. He will absolutely challenge 
the far side of the field and all of that. With Cam Ward, I think it kind of goes the other way where it's a little bit more limited. I'll say this too. Yes, he only has three interceptions on the season. He is really living good right now with some luck. He has eight turnover worthy. I was going to say he only has three picks. I think he only has three picks on the season. And the crazy thing is he has eight turnover worthy plays in the last two games, two games. Yeah. That's what he just, he just, he doesn't let plays die all the time. He gets away with it, but yeah, three interceptions, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. Um, so back to the notes, uh, more of a, this is maybe the most disappointing part to me because I've seen guys that are going to play, you know, more of the timing it short to intermediate game, maybe not really challenge down the field, maybe not challenge all areas of the field, but they have a dimension of their game as a runner that can kind of make up for that and and give them a chance to be that long-term backup and, and develop into a starter or whatever it may be. He's a scrambler, not a runner. It's effective. He can get you the free yards. He can make a guy miss. He can extend plays. But this wasn't like watching Jaden Daniels where it's missed tackle there, missed tackle there. Oh, I, I made a guy miss now eight yards. I can make the next guy miss at the sticks, 10 yards. Like it, it was to me, it was more scrambling his numbers fall off a cliff when he's pressured like he's and he's in big trouble when he's pressured. So not to pile on Cam Ward, he's going to get drafted. I'm not saying the guy is undraftable player or anything like that, but in this class, in this class, like watching all of these guys and then getting the Cam Ward, I was like, man, it's going to be tough this year. Yeah. I mean, we we've had a handful of people in the comments, I think over the last month that have mentioned Cam Ward and kind of wanting to get our opinions on him. And we've had some people even tweet at us. I've had a couple of Instagram DMS about uh, people wanting our, our thoughts on Cam Ward. And um, I hate to let the people down, but we would be good doing you guys a disservice if we didn't tell you exactly how we felt about a player. Uh, I think Cam Ward's a long way away from being a successful pro. Uh, I agree with a lot of the things that you said he has some nice plays, but to me, they're very few and far between when you talk about actual difference-making plays where he himself is truly elevating the people around him. Um, you mentioned he's only got three. The the 14 and, and three touchdown to interception ratio is crazy to me because he's got eight big-time throws, but he's got 13 turnover-worthy plays. And That's I not watched, a good ratio. I watched those last two games that he played over the last couple of weeks, and it's not great. You mentioned a lot of the turnover worthy plays that he has. I mean, that UCLA game was rough for him. It was a lot of bad accuracy. It was a lot of bad decisions. I don't even, sometimes I, I really question how he even sees the field, like how he's seeing coverages because it looks like he knows what the play is and he kind of goes into it thinking, okay, here's my hot read. This is my one, my, my, my primary read on this play. And if the primary read isn't open, it's almost like you can then see him kind of panic a little bit. He, he's he's not a great quarterback right now under pressure. And I think a lot of stuff starts to fail once he gets off rhythm. There are times, especially in that UCLA game, where his feet just stop moving, like completely yeah. as if they're in quicksand. And because of that, you see a lot of accuracy issues with him when he's thrown to the sideline. And I thought there were some touch issues with him as well. You know, he could put a ton of arc on a moon ball, but like, again, you can't be doing that stuff at the next level. It's going to be easy pickings for cornerbacks and safeties to run under it and, and, and intercept it. So um, 
I know a lot of you guys love Cam Ward. Hey, if you love picking him in the mock draft simulator and you like getting him late for the team and, and getting him as a developmental guy, more power to you. Keep doing it. I just think he's got a long way to go before he is any sort of difference maker at the NFL level. And that's kind of the way that I saw him over the last couple of games. I, unfortunately, I, I I do want to talk about these guys before we wrap up, but it is on the dis- more disappointing side still. Riley Leonard and Michael Pratt have been disappointing over the last couple of weeks. I, I know Riley Leonard has missed some time with the ankle injury, but I missed it too. I, Pratt I watched too. Yeah, well, t- missed, Pratt missed yeah. some time after that. Uh, I think it was a knee injury. It was a knee first, injury. He missed two weeks. First game where he could not miss. He, he tried that. He was that, surgical. Pratt could not miss in that first game. It was unbelievable. He's a sniper. And I've gone back and I watched the last two games that he played. Very different. I agree. I, Do you I, think I, he's I, hurt? I I didn't know, think he looks confident driving on the knee. He certainly does not look confident, but the knee that he hurt is not the back foot like yeah, it's not the it's knee. The front it, one it's the front one which i'm not saying that that doesn't have anything to do with it he's still That's wearing fair. a brace he's coming back from the injury maybe it has a lot to do with it because he's just missing dudes right now I, him him yeah. and leonard it's the same story these are guys who have really nice throws but it just doesn't happen enough the consistency is not there with these guys leonard i even thought that going into the season where the way that we talked about him is, man, if he, if last year was a foundation for Leonard, so many beautiful touch throws, you know, great play under pressure, um, adapting to guys kind of hanging all over him and him having to throw at a different arm. Like there were moments where Leonard firing it to the sideline, you know, 20, 15, 20 yards down the field on a rope where I'm like, that's an NFL throw. If that was going to be the foundation and he was going to build on that this year, Leonard, basically would have been in that conversation as a first round pick. It's not, I mean, the the consistency has not shown up for him yet. It is still a lot of misses. I mean, just straight up misses when we're talking about deep down the field. And sometimes it's beautiful touch passes. And sometimes he just, he doesn't have the accuracy. So you got to look at a guy and the full picture. And for as much as I love the flashes and the talent of both Michael Pratt and Riley Leonard, I have to be honest with the fact that these were guys who I thought could one day be first-round quarterbacks, and there's a lot of season left to go. But as of right now, I would move both of those guys firmly into that developmental day two kind of camp. So that's that's where I am on both of those players who had a lot of high hopes on going into the year and certainly after that first week and kind of cooled on that because of their tape over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I get it. I, I am a big believer in in Leonard's talent. Obviously we'll see what he does coming back from the injury. Pratt. I totally, we're eye to eye on that where he like week one, I was like, yeah, this dude, everything we saw from summer is real. And since he's been back, you know, what really sucked too. It isn't one of the games he missed. Wouldn't have been against Ole Miss. I'm pretty sure he missed the I, NC state game. Okay. So he missed two big games. Like those are the kind of games when you look at a guy like Pratt. Tulane's a good program. Don't get me wrong, but you look at a game oh, like. Oh, never that. mind. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Leonard. No, 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 Pratt. Yeah, he he did he did miss the Ole Miss game. Yeah, like that's a game I want to see him in. And I, obviously, you can't control getting hurt, a knee right. injury. But it's right. it was I was like, damn man, like that's a that's a big opportunity for a guy like you. Um, so we'll see what he does the rest of the way. I think that 
I'll pull up my notes here on some of the stuff that I saw from him. I wrote same like Cam Ward. He could scramble, but he's not necessarily like a lethal threat as a runner. Um, he a decent amount of screens and quick game versus Memphis when they came out of the gate. So they were probably trying to get him comfortable. It, he just wasn't driving the ball like we've seen him do before. Like to just and you like you said, Trevor, I, I, I viewed him at a summer as an accuracy, rhythm and timing quarterback. And. None of those things have been clicking since he came back. I know, is, I know, is, I know. You know, just makes you wonder. Two but, guys that I'm glad that we have a handful more games to evaluate them because I, I, I really like the high end stuff from these players. I like the tools. Yeah, I'm with I you. like the the ceiling of what they can be, but the consistency just has not been there for either of them. So we'll see what Leonard can be once he comes back from that ankle injury, and hopefully both of those guys get healthy going into the end of the year because I'd love to see them. And on a high note, show us their best ball and obviously uh, put out some good tape for some some better scouting notes. Uh, you got anybody else that you wanted to shout out before we get out of here? I want to ask you, because they're maybe the most varied opinions on this guy out of everyone. Like okay. he, he's probably some he's probably a top three quarterback for some people. Where do you have Quinn Ewers right now? Uh, Very comfortably as a day two developmental quarterback. Okay, we see eye to eye on that one. I, yeah, he's. I'm not I'll, even like he wouldn't even be in my top fifty today. He's not in my top fifty. No, yeah, he's I, he's outside of my top fifty. Look, huge arm, but it's it's doesn't hit anything. It's erratic, man. I mean, you yeah. got it. You can't the the Alabama game. He hit so many deep shots, and we Again. went, "Wow, it's fixed." It it's that game is is kind of an outlier for him right now. The, the accuracy, the ball placement, it's not where it needs to be for yours. I've said on this very show before, one of the best arms that I have watched in recent memory, like the way that this guy can fire the football off of his wrist at really weird angles in really unorthodox yeah. ways is pretty crazy. And we've seen some guys who I'm not saying he's got like a better arm than Anthony Richardson or something, but the way that Ewers can just like have the ball right here and just go and just flick it 20 yards down the field on a rope. It's, it's just different than a lot of guys in this class. And so understand the allurement. And I think a player like Ewers is going to get plenty of chances to oh yeah start, start at the NFL level. It's just, to me, he is still a good ways away from having that consistency with his ball placement and with his accuracy to start at at the NFL level. And that's that that's where I am with him. I I definitely call him a developmental guy right now. He is somebody that is has a fascinating process in front of him because he's got Arch Manning behind him. He yeah, he's gotta he, go, right? He has to declare. If he declares He's entering a quarterback class where, in our humble opinions, he's facing an uphill battle. Like, I, I don't think he's a top five quarterback in this class. You have him on day two. He's not in your top 50. He's not my top 50. Right. So is Quinn Ewers got to go the transfer route? I, we'll see. We'll see. I don't it's, know. Uh, which is crazy to say about someone with that talent at a program that's, you know, a good fit for him. He'll go to USC, but, I'm sure. Just, just, like, that's Lincoln, a good idea. Lincoln Riley. I would just advise that. Lincoln Riley. If I was... His right hand man, I would say, go play for Lincoln. He just Riley. goes from Ohio State to Texas to USC. <laughs> That's any kid's dream, man. Good for him if he does it. I would, you know what? Salute, salute to somebody 
who could work the system like that. But yeah, that's those are my thoughts on yours. Um, we'd love to hear you guys' thoughts as well. Uh, let us know what you think on this quarterback class. We know that you got takes. We, you got Cam Ward takes. If you want to come at us for the Cam Ward takes, yeah. we are uh, we're all ears for it. Hit us up in the comments. Uh, YouTube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange is the best way to do it. Let us know what you think of this quarterback class from your own perspective, from some of the points that we brought up, um, whether you agree with them, whether you don't agree with them. We would love to hear all that good stuff. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it has ever God. seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring the compact light design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional save. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. These products are so great. I've, I've mentioned so many times before here on this podcast that, you know, when you're trimming the beard, because I'm a beard trimmer, I'm not like a full shave kind of a guy. I'm not like a clean shave dude. Um, when you have these tools where you're just trying to trim, you could get these like snags and you like your pull it. You, you could just tell that it's not a good product. It's not the case with Manscaped. Manscaped's got you, whether you are going for a clean shape or whether you were trimming it up, whatever it is, the handyman's absolutely got you 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF for a look as sweet as candy this year. Get yourself the handyman from our friends over at manscape if you are instagram or or uh or, or or a twitter user only if you don't do youtube you can hit us up at tampa bay trey at connor j rogers that's the best way to do it connor somebody said i think it was on twitter when are you guys going to weekly mock drafts again they must oh. have they must have heard they must have heard what you said last week where you were like, when we need to get some numbers up, when we need to pump the we quote pump up, up the numbers we're just gonna do back to back when my power drafts. goes out oh man i don't think uh, we're not at the point where we're doing weekly mock drafts but no obviously no we, no no that's there's not enough not enough we substance will, no not yet not yet not monthly yet. monthly for sure uh are we doing what matters most on monday we're we doing something else sure bye week for your boy so oh yeah it, well it's your okay hold on bye week i'm fine i gotta i'm just gonna watch football i'm not going to the bahamas yeah so am i but maybe we'll cook up something maybe we'll cook up something different Connor's okay. bye week Monday extravaganza. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. You I know like what? where this is going. We, you know, we, we keep the people on their toes. Maybe like midseason awards or something. Maybe we could look back at the rookie class and how the rookies are doing. You might be onto something. It's so funny to me. And once again, clearly Trevor and I read the comments, which is the first thing they ever tell you to not do when you host the show. And I I for good reason. But with a week we didn't do what matters most. 80% of the comments freaked out that we didn't do what matters most. And this week when we did what matters most, I saw like three comments that were like, I listen to you guys to talk about the draft. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> so whatever, you know, that's why we're doing something different for Monday. That's why we're totally switching yeah. up. I kind of like the rookie. I, the, the like rookie review. I do too. I do too. Pour some out for Anthony Richardson, whose season, uh, comes to an end and can't wait to see him back on the field. But there are a lot of guys no, playing at a high level right now. No, there are. And some guys some deserve recognition. And maybe we'll go down kind of the the uh, first couple of rounds and look at some rookies that are making some high impact. So that right. might be a, a, a fill-in for what matters most 
uh, so we can give you a little bit of a combined NFL coverage and draft coverage. Boom! Can't say shit about it. I'm Trevor Sikama. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. Whatever it is, we'll see you on Monday. <laughs>